Back when I was single, I had a friend who was married and who, after having a young baby, this is what he told me. Um, when you get married, I was dating Jennifer at the time. He said, when you get married, things are going to change a little, but not a lot. <laughs> and then he told me, when things really change is when you have a kid. And it has been many years since that day and three kids later, and I found my friend's advice to be mostly true. It seemed when Jen and I got married that there was a fairly seamless transition. Uh, I went from dropping off my best friend at her house after a date to being able to go home and, and enjoy her presence there. And it was, it was incredible. But kids, oh, kids, <laughs> kids are precious, but we found that kids change everything everything. What was once a great night of sleep after kids is waking up for feedings and diaper changes and bad dreams. What was once a quiet evening at home, three kids later is a mixture of circus, nuclear bomb, lots of laughing, plenty of crying. Kids are awesome, but they do change everything. Once you have kids, in many ways, for several years to come, your life is ordered 24-7. Now, it's a good kind of ordering in that nurturing little souls is a tremendous calling. What about your life? What is it in your life that orders you, that directs your life? What is it that, that, that is shaping your life and making you who you are? Well, we're going to think together about this question as we look in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Remember that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. Colossae was a good church. The church there was a, a fantastic church. But what they faced was the allure of false teachers who were trying to lead them away from the true gospel. As we consider this text, it is clear that Paul wants believers to let Christ order all of life. Let Christ order all of life. That's Paul's main idea. Let's consider the reasons that Paul gives this command. He gives four reasons for allowing Christ to order all of life. Notice in verse six, he begins the verse with, so then, or some versions will say, therefore. In this way, Paul connects what he's about to say to what he has already said. Now, if you'll remember in Colossians 1, verses 15 through 23, Paul talked about the greatness of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. And so one of the reasons the Colossians ought to order all of life around Christ is because of who Christ is. It's because of his supremacy and his greatness. Now, in Colossians 1, chapter, or verse 24 through chapter 2, verse 5, Paul talked about his own investment in the spiritual life of the Colossians. He had labored for their spiritual growth. He had struggled for their spiritual maturity. And so Paul gave that as another reason that the Colossians ought to order all of life around the Lord Jesus. Now in verse six, Paul says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. In the Greek, when, when Paul makes this statement, he literally says, the Christ Jesus, the Lord. We don't translate it that way into English because it sounds awkward and doesn't fit English grammar, but it says literally, the Christ Jesus, the Lord. It is the only place in all of the New Testament that the Greek is worded in that manner. And so it is likely that Paul 
is making a confessional statement about Jesus' identity when he says this. He is saying that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, Jesus is the one who is sent from God. He's the one who comes from God, the Messiah, to save his people. Now, they had believed that Jesus was the Christ. And so this is the third reason that Paul gave them for ordering their lives around Jesus. They had believed in him. They had put their trust in him. Also, the Colossians had received Jesus as Lord. They'd received him as Lord. To call Jesus Lord acknowledges that Jesus has rightful rule in our lives. He is the ruler of all. And our right response to the ruler of all, to the Lord, is to submit. It is to obey. And so this is the fourth reason that Paul gives the Colossians for ordering their lives around Christ. Because they had submitted to Jesus as the Lord. It is right to live that out and to continue to submit to him. So because of who Jesus is, because of Paul's urgent effort and labor for their spiritual growth, because Jesus is the Christ, the one sent from God to save, and because Jesus is the Lord, Paul tells the Colossians to continue to live in Christ, continue to live in him. When Paul says continue to live in him or continue to to walk in him, as some versions will translate that verb, what, what is he meaning? Well, what Paul means is that the entirety of the Colossians' life, every bit of their lives ought to be ordered around Jesus, ought to be influenced by Christ. Their thinking, their speaking, their attitudes, their hopes, their dreams, their behaviors, yes, all of life altered by their relationship with Jesus. Now, the tense of the verb to live or or walk calls for a continual or habitual action. In other words, continue, keep on walking in Christ. Some of us will have sort of a a burst of of spiritual growth where we kind of get right with the Lord. We we begin to really grow in him and then it's short-lived. For for a month or so or a couple months, we really stay strong. We're in the word, we're in church, we're, we're doing the things that helps us grow. And then life gets busy and things get complicated and we just sort of let that fade away. Paul's saying, don't do that. You've got to continue on. You you need to keep on, keep on, keep on. This should be your way of life. So Paul is saying to the Colossians, you claim to follow Jesus. That's the confession you've made, that he is Lord. Well, let your lives be consistent with your confession. Your lives should bear it out. That's what Paul's saying to the Colossians. Having never served in the military, I have no firsthand experience of military life, but I recently read an article by a Marine describing life in the Marine Corps. The former Marine said this about boot camp. Boot camp places within the Marine a sense that he is expected to do important things, far more important things than could be expected from other 18-year-olds. The article highlighted the psychological transformation that makes warriors who will be able to fight and kill out of kids who just barely left high school. The author called his service in the Marines the most important and transformative event in all of his life. From reading the article, it was clear that being a Marine had affected every area of this man's life. In some ways, this, friends, is a picture of how our lives with Christ are supposed to be. There's not an area of our lives 
not one area of our lives that shouldn't be shaped and impacted by our relationship with Christ. Every area. Our lives should be ordered by him. We should be shaped and transformed by him in every way we want our lives to be pleasing to him. He is our commanding officer. After all, we confessed him as Lord. We confessed him as Lord. So Paul calls believers to continually order all of life around Christ. And he gave four reasons for doing so. Now in verse 7, he elaborates on what that looks like. And he explains the means by which the Colossians will carry out or live out this command. In other words, are the Colossians on their own in, in ordering all of life around Christ or is there help? Well, Paul gives three ways that God is at work in their lives to help them, to help them live out a life that's ordered by Jesus. Paul says that they were rooted in Christ, that they were built up in him, and that they were established in the faith. Now, all three of these words, rooted, built up, established, are passive, intense. And what that means is that the Colossian believers are not carrying out these actions, They're not the ones that rooted themselves. They're not the ones that built themselves up. They're not the ones that established themselves. Who's the actor? It's God himself. So Paul says, how do you want to, how are you going to live out a life that's ordered by Christ? Well, you're not on your own. God is at work. He is going to help you. And he gives three ways that God helps. First, God rooted the Colossian believers in Christ. Now, rooted is in the perfect tense. And what this means is that it is an event that happened in the past, and yet the results of this event continue on into the present. So what happened in the past for the Colossians? They had turned from their sin and put their faith in Jesus. And at the moment they did that, God rooted them in Christ. Their lives are in him. And that's, that's an event that occurred in the past, can't be undone, and yet the consequences of that event remain into the present. In fact, we know from all of Scripture that these Colossian believers were permanently rooted in Christ because once you're rooted in Him, you can't be unrooted. Now, Paul uses this agricultural metaphor to help the Colossians understand how God enables them to live a life that pleases Him. God is the actor. He is the farmer, if you will. He's the one who planted their lives in Christ. Envision a well-rooted tree, the tree firmly established. Well, God had done that in these believers' lives. He had rooted them in Christ. They were firm and they would not be unrooted. Consider the words of Psalm 1, 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. As the psalmist likened the one who faithfully delights in, in God's ways to a tree that's flourishing, so Paul suggests that the one who is rooted in Christ is rooted firmly. These roots go deep into the Christian faith and they go deep into Christ himself. Second, 
Paul says that the Colossians are able to order all of life around Jesus because God had built them up. And here he uses a construction analogy. Imagine a house that, that's being built. You, you start working toward a foundation and then you begin to put a frame and, and, and stage by stage you build this house. And Paul says that God is doing that in the lives of these believers. He is building them up in the faith. This, this is in the present tense, which indicates that this is the work that God is continuing to do in their lives. He's continuing to build them up. And not only that, Paul says that God has established them in the faith. Again, this is in the present tense. And what this means is that God continues to establish these believers. This is not a work that he did once and he's finished. No, he continues to to establish them or strengthen them in the faith. Now, by faith, Paul is referring to the, the truths of the Christian faith, biblical truth. You see, the false teachers had been tempting these people to follow a false gospel. And next week, you'll get a better picture of what that false gospel is about. But Paul reminds these Christians that while the false teachers would lure them away, God is establishing them, strengthening them in the deep truths of the Christian faith. He's helping them grow deeper in the doctrines of Scripture. So Paul commands these believers to walk in Christ. And he gives them three ways that God has worked to help them. God rooted them. God is building them up. God is establishing them. Now he gives the result of having ordered one's life around Christ. Look at the end of verse 7. Paul says that the Colossians would overflow with gratitude. This word is in the active tense, which means that the Colossians are performing this action. It's meant to be who they are. They strive to walk in Christ, to order all of life around him. And when they do, their hearts overflow with gratitude. So living in Christ, walking with Christ, striving to make every part of your life about him is going to make you experience thanksgiving toward God. We could say that worship, worship is the response of a believer who's walking close to Jesus. When we walk with him, our hearts overflow with thankfulness for we see his glory, we see his goodness, we see his beauty, we see his kindness as we strive to order our lives around him and we can't stop saying thank you to him because of all of the things that he's done in our lives, because of all of the grace and the mercy and the kindnesses that he shows us. Our hearts are overcome and our hearts become like, like, like a, a fountain that just won't stop flowing. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. What's the greatest thing that someone's ever done for you? For many of us, we'll think of our spouse's patience and love, or we'll think of our parents' relentless dedication. Others may feel gratitude to someone who intervened at a critical moment in life, who helped to save their life in in one way or another. But think about the gratitude that you have toward that person who has been so good to you. Now reflect for a moment on what God has done for you. If you are saved, he has rooted you deep in Christ. Those roots can't die if you truly know him. He's rooted you. You're permanently rooted in Christ. What incredible news is that? He's building you up. He's establishing you in the faith. If you know Christ, he's forgiven every single sin. Think about that. 
every single one. Forgiven. Forgiven. Oh, as we order our lives around the Lord Jesus, we see his beauty and we know his grace and our hearts are filled, yes, to overflowing with gratitude. How do we live out this idea of ordering all of our lives around Jesus? Well, first, we need to ask this critical question. Have you received the Lord Jesus? Look in verse 6. Paul is speaking to people who have received Christ. How do you do that? How do you receive Christ? Well, you recognize that God, that God is holy. In Him, there is no sin. Absolutely no sin. And yet people We're sinners by nature and by choice. We rebel against God. And because of this, we are enemies of God. How do enemies of God become friends of God? Well, it is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He was nailed on a cross. And on that cross, he took God's righteous wrath for sin upon himself. All of the sin that 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 we would commit. He took the punishment, the righteous wrath that God has toward that which is evil and sinful and wrong. And he poured it out on his own son. Jesus died, he was buried, and he came back to life. And friends, if we call out to Jesus and we say to him, I'm sorry for running my own life. I'm sorry for going my own way. I want to turn away from all of that. I want to repent and I want to follow you. I believe in you. When we call out to God like that, the Bible says that God saves us and he never lets us go. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Colossians 2. We are rooted in Christ. Has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever received the Lord Jesus? Have you ever been rooted in Christ? Next, do you allow all areas of your life to be formed by your love for Jesus? Do you allow all areas of your life to be formed by your love for Jesus? Or do you section off certain areas of life from him? Well, I'll walk with Jesus when it it comes to to going to church some. I'll do that. But I'll ignore it, him, when it comes to romantic relationships. If I want to go out with somebody who's not a believer, who's not a, a strong Christian, I'll do what I want in that area. It's not that big of a deal. Or I'll try to be a kind person, but if I can get by with cheating on taxes a little bit, who cares? The government takes too much anyway. Or I'll be a great employee and I'll work hard and give my all on the job. But when I come home, man, I'm done. My family can serve me. After all, I'm the one who's out working hard every day. Now, these are just a few examples. We could give countless examples of how we claim to follow Jesus in this area or that area. But then our lives in other areas, we've we've sectioned them off. And we've said, I'm not going to do what God says in these areas. Now think about this for a moment. When you go to a museum, there are some exhibits that that you can interact with. But there are other exhibits that are cordoned off and you cannot touch those exhibits. You have to stay away from them. You have to keep some distance from them. Now, many of us in certain areas of our lives have cordoned off sections of our life and we've said to Jesus, keep your hands off of that. I'll do some things you tell me to do, but when it comes to that, you keep your hands off. That area is cordoned off. I'll do what I want in that area of life. Now, we don't use those words, but that is clearly our attitude. And our behavior clearly reflects it. And Paul is saying to us today, 
take the cords down. Let every single area of your life be impacted, be shaped by your love for Christ. Friends, there are no areas of our lives that the Lord Jesus should not have clear access to, that he should not be interacting with, if you will. And so, it's time for us to make some changes. Your life should be consistent with your confession. Next, are you holding fast to Christian doctrine? A lot of Christians believe, oh, you don't really need to know the, the, all the extra biblical truth. You don't really need to grow deep in doctrine. That's, that's for those heady people. That's for the people who really get into that kind of stuff. That's not the truth. God expects every believer to get a hold of the word and for the word to dwell in each believer and shape each believer. How else can we order all of life around Jesus if we don't know what Jesus has to say? And so we need to be growing deeper in doctrines of the Christian faith. So place yourself in context where you can do that. One, read the word every single day. Next, be in church regularly where you can hear the word preached and learn from others. Be in a, a small group or a Sunday morning Bible study regularly. These are contexts that allow you to go deeper in your knowledge of who God is and the truths of the Christian faith. Next, do you recognize God's gracious work in your life? If you belong to Jesus, as we've already said, God has rooted you in him. He's building you up. He's establishing you. What does this mean? Friends, it means you're not on your own. It means that somebody's carrying you. Have you ever been really, really tired and worn and thought to yourself, I just wish somebody would pick me up and carry me. And I need that. Do you see that's what Paul's saying to us? If your heart is set on knowing the Lord, he's picking you up. He's establishing you. He's building you up. He's helping you in the faith. He's carrying you. So, so don't lose heart. Don't think I can't get there, friend. You can't on your own. But when you abide in Christ, when you draw close to him, he's carrying you. He's helping you. He's with you. He's going to accomplish that good work that he's begun in you. Next, are you grateful to Christ for the grace that he's shown you? As you walk with the Lord Jesus, your heart's going to overflow with, with gratitude. You'll see all the ways that he's blessed you and helped you. So we've seen that we're called to order all of life around the Lord Jesus. For a moment, I want you to imagine there in your pew that you've been given a lump of modeling clay. Now in your mind, take that clay and shape it. Shape that piece of clay. Maybe you would shape it into a truck or a tree or a house or a ring. You could shape that piece of clay into whatever you want. Now imagine for a moment, that lump of clay is your life. It is your life. What is it that's shaping that lump of clay? What is it that's shaping and ordering your life? What shape will your life take? Will you be shaped by your love for Jesus? or by the countless other things that vie for your heart's attention. Brothers and sisters, let Christ order all of life, all of life. Now, if you know the Lord Jesus, what's he calling you to do today as you reflect on these verses?
Is it that you need to take some cords down? You need to say, you know what, the way I talk with my wife or the way I do this or the way I do that needs to change. Those cords need to come down. I need to let Jesus shape and influence that part of my life. What, what are those cords in your life, brothers and sisters? If you're a believer, what needs to change? Today, will you call out to Jesus and say, help me to change? God, carry me. I, I need your help. If you know Jesus, today's passage invites you to draw ever closer to him. Tell him that you want to walk with him, that you want to honor him in every aspect of your life and ask him for help. Say, Lord, build me up, establish me in the faith and he will help you. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, why not today? You can receive Jesus today as your savior. You can be rooted in Christ today. Why wouldn't you? How do you do that? You call out to him in faith. You say, I've forgiven. I've sinned. Lord, uh, please forgive me. I, I need your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus that he died and rose again, and I want to follow him. And the Bible says when you call out to Jesus in that way and you mean it, God saves you, and he saves you for all eternity. Friend, how could you say no to that? Join me in prayer. God, I thank